Ultra. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Two Towers, one pretty epic use of diplomacy at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 187, which starts where yesterday left off, a grumpy little merry face, and ends with Treebeard saying, I always like going south, somehow, and then he trails off. You didn't sound convinced no, about my diplomacy. I don't... He, uh, he very slickly convinced Treebeard of his terrible, terrible logic. It, I don't know if it's diplomacy, diplomacy or, like, earnestness. I mean, he's not being totally truthful. He's just trying to convince Treebeard that his plan will work. I, I mean, you know, actually, I guess it's really bluff. Yeah. Bluff would be more appropriate. So, right at the beginning of this minute, Mary's still being a grumpus. Because we don't know that he's not earnest. He d- we don't know that he doesn't actually genuinely think this yet. I Okay, that's fair. That's next minute. I don't know. I think that the way it's initially framed kind of tells you it's a ruse. He's like, wait, wait, no, 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 turn around, turn yeah, around. I guess so. I mean, you can see the beginnings of, like, you can see the light bulb go off. Yeah. If this was Looney Tunes, it would literally be just blink. Yeah. Come right on above his head. So, wait, no, turn around, head south. It would, like, flicker as you hold on his face, and then it's finally on when he's just like, oh. Because <laughs> he's, he's there a little, he's staring off into the middle distance a little bit when we first see Pippin in this minute. Yeah. He's just kind of... What can I do? Is can there anything I do I can anything? Do? Wait, wait, turn around. Go <laughs> south. Go south. Treebeard just stops and literally blinks at the idea. South? That'll take you to Isengard. Pippin is uh Pippin is planning something. Yes. Scheming. Scheming. Mary's just like, what? Mary's sulking. Like, Mary's given up at this point. And that's why I feel like when we had talked about Pippin before in Return of the King, like, it does Pippin a disservice to say all of his growth comes from Return of the King because I think it starts here. I still think, I think ultimately this action is still focused on Mary. On Mary and not towards the bigger picture. I think we haven't quite gotten there with Pippin yet. Maybe. I mean, it can be construed both ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's trying to help his friends. I think it's not until... But so is Mary. Yeah, absolutely. Mary is already looking at the big picture. I think Pippin is still mostly focused on his circle of friends. It's the, there won't be a Shire is the thing that gets Pippin to like think about something like this. Mm-hmm. But it's not the greater context of the world as a whole yet to Pippin, I don't think. I don't think he's there yet. He hasn't made that... It hasn't. That hasn't been cemented yet. I think that gets cemented by his interactions with Denethor and seeing the state of Gondor. Okay. He gets a greater understanding of the, the world as a whole and all these different people's places in it and how it's all supposed to come together. 
This, I think, is mostly born out of him wanting to be there for Mary, not necessarily him wanting to be there for everyone. Okay. And that's still very much in line but that's still like with a, where his character has been so far. That's still like a starting point. Like, he yeah. goes from, like, you know, just... It's little steps for Pippin. It's... He is very self-interested, but the way that he acts also seems to include Mary in his self. Mm-hmm. So this is still kind of a, maybe possibly still kind of selfish as far as motivation. Maybe. But it is the beginning of Pippin understanding. And then him and Mary get separated. Right. And then Pippin is forced to strengthen himself on his own. Instead of leaning on Mary. Instead of leaning on Mary's lead, which is what he does through this movie still. That's fair. He uses Mary's character development character development as a crutch for his own through this movie. It's mostly in the context of this is how Mary is growing and Pippin is reacting to Mary's growth. Uh-huh. Instead of Okay. Yeah, I can I can see that. Just trying to let you trying to explain my where I'm coming from. No, yeah, that makes sense. But it's mostly reactionary as opposed to proactive. Okay. Yeah. Whereas Mary is been starting to try and be more proactive since the uh, since the Urukai incident, mm-hmm. seeing what Saruman's army is like, and then seeing the army in the distance. The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. That is some prime logic, Pippin. So, so perfect, flawless <laughs> thinking. Way to be. That just sounds like a a line from a D and D campaign, like. Trying to... <laughs> it's, you're trying to talk your way through something. You know, you know, like... The closer we are to the danger, the farther we are from harm. It just sounds like a silly ad-libbed line. Yeah. It's so good, though. It's so perfect. And it it makes Treebeard blink. And, well, you are very small. That doesn't make much sense to me. Though you are small. Though you are very small. Perhaps you're right. Like, that's enough to convince Treebeard. He's like, they're small. Maybe they'll stay unseen. I mean, that's literally their superpower. This checks out. Sure, let's go. I like going south. They are excellent burglars. They are indeed. So in the book, the way the Ents come to the decision about going to Isengard is because the Ent that is watching over Merry and Pippin is already already really wants to just kill all the orcs because orcs ravaged where he was from before because he's a younger tree right or younger ent i mean he's he's certainly younger than than treebeard but he also talks about so this is the paragraph where he explains to them why he wants to get rid of the orcs there were rowan trees in my home rowan trees that took root when i was an enting many many years ago in the quiet of the world the oldest were planted by the ents to try and please the entwives but they looked at them and smiled and said they knew where whiter blossoms and richer fruit were growing. Then there's like description of stuff. Birds used to flock there. I like birds, even when they chatter, and the roan has enough and the roan has enough and to spare, but the birds became unfriendly and greedy and tore at the trees and threw the fruit down and did not eat it. Then orcs came with axes and cut down my trees. I came and called them by their long names, but they did not quiver. They did not hear or answer. They lay dead. So he tried to talk to the trees the orcs came and fell 
and ravaged. And the orcs killed all these trees that he planted to pr- to please the Entwives. Yeah. So he is just like, yeah, let's go. Screw those guys. Let's go do this. Yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to kill these orcs. I, I want to kill these orcs. And the Marion Pippin spend two more days with them, with him, mostly being watched over by this other Ent. And at the, during the third day, the Ents have decided, seemingly at the behest of this other Ent, uh, Bregalod, his name is. And when they wake up, the Ents are starting to sing a song of marching to Isengard. Hmm. Okay. So, so that is very different. So it is a it is another ent that convinces them, but it is the it is the act of the orcs destroying part of a forest that gets the ball rolling still. Okay. It just happens It happened a lot longer ago, and it was a different ent's forest, not Treebeard's. They kind of rolled this up to Treebeard's thing. Yeah. Made it more about Treebeard's personal relationship to Fangorn. Which is, you know, good for a movie. Right. We gotta make the dramatic tension and the dramatic action about the characters in the movie. Right. And we don't have time to introduce four other named Ents. And having it be Merry and Pippin persuading him also gives them more room. Yeah, they have to... to be given agency in their own part of the story. Yeah, instead of just waiting around with baby <laughs> being babysat by this other end. Yeah. Which would just, it would be nothing for their story. They wouldn't be doing anything. Right. It, it's just sitting around. And that's not very exciting for one of your, one of the pairs of your major characters. One of the groups that we're following. Right. So, there's that. <laughs> Treebeard is a really long chapter in the book, too. Pretty much everything that happens with... Treebeard up until they march to eyes. Is- Everything happens in Treebeard until they march to Isengard. All happens in one chapter. My gosh. So there's just a lot going on. It's thrown at you real fast. Yeah. And that's all before the introduction of Theoden in the Two Towers. What? The King of the Golden Hall is chapter six, and Treebeard's chapter four. Really? And then Helm's Deep is the chapter after the King of the Golden Hall. Wow. So like everything just comes at you. Yeah. And the chapters are pretty long. Right. I mean, The Two Towers is not a very long book either. No, so... And it's already split into two, technically, because you have Aragorn, Merry, and Pippin, Mm -hmm. and then you have Frodo and Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. So? So The Two Towers just kind of clips along. Yeah. All this stuff just happens and happens and happens and happens. And then... The orcs, the the Ents destroy Asengard, and Helm's Deep happens, and you get the reuniting at the end, mm-hmm. and all that. So, this section of The Two Towers, the book, The Two Towers is the, the movie of the trilogy that feels the most different from the way the book was not only structured story-wise, but also paced. Because everything is so much more stretched out, expanded upon, characters are shuffled around, so that the fewer characters you're doing have more to do. Mm-hmm. And I think they've mentioned a few times in the commentaries that this was the hardest part of the story to adapt. Right. Because they have sense. to do so much changing to keep all the action moving, to keep all your story beats or all your all your characters feeling involved. Mm-hmm. And the Mary and Pippin are the hardest ones to do that with. 
Right. Because you have to change the most most of their story. I definitely think that this movie suffers from like the the struggle to adapt it well. Mm. I think that in my opinion it's like the weakest, but also like it depends. It depends on what we're talking about. Like with the Mary and Pippin stuff, there's not a whole lot, so you have to like give them something to do, so by padding it and like doing some wheel spinny stuff, like that suffers. But I also think they did a really good job of introducing like the Theoden stuff. Uh Eowyn sometimes. Like and Frodo and Sam. I mean Frodo the Frodo and Sam parts are pretty straightforward. Yeah. So though it has been a really long time. Like we were um we were watching the minutes for this week and this is technically next minute, but I let it play a little longer because I was taking notes and it switches to the rangers from or not rangers I guess technically the the soldiers from Gondor and I was just like who the heck are these guys because it's been like it's been a while forever since we've been with them yeah because you have to spend so much time back at Helm's Deep to get the battle started right I just feel like it's been a long time yeah I think this is the weakest extended edition I think that the more time we spend with this movie, the more, like, I can tell that these scenes, like, these scenes aren't contributing anything. Um, the Bormir and Faramir stuff aside, uh, I feel like the majority of these scenes are, like, padding and fluff. Whereas with, like, Fellowship, I think it felt a little more like natural or like it like helped because it's it's the more you have in an introduction the 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 more helpful it is going forward right right so i don't know ultimately i i disagree not because i think the stuff here isn't a lot of fluffy stuff because it definitely is Uh but i think that the fluffy stuff that they've added back into two towers Makes some of the character arcs in Return of the King a little stronger because we see more of those characters. Mm. Well, I said Faramir stuff aside, but it's not just that. It's some of the extra stuff with Eowyn and some the there's a little bit of extra stuff with Theoden. There's a little bit of extra stuff with Merry and Pippin, and some of these are characters that otherwise we'd spend very little time with. And but okay. comparatively, we really do spend like, very little time with them as a movie, like a sta- like a standalone movie. Which I know it's not intended to be, but like you know, we're covering it in. Yeah, we're covering it in very tiny chunks. Right. So, like, as a standalone movie, I think that the extended edition contributes the least to the narrative of this movie, like contained in its own mm. two towers shaped box. Yeah, and I've ne- I've never really looked at them that way because they were filmed all at once. Right. It's one long interwoven narrative. Right. And in a way that a lot of other trilogies just aren't really made. Harry Potter aside, like as far as movie se- movie series go, most other movie series, even if they're direct sequels, they're not literally one long story chopped up into three pieces. Star Wars. Star Wars. How much time goes by between the first and second Star Wars movie? I don't know. It's been a really long time since I've seen the originals. I mean, quite a bit though, right? 
And then between five and six, like, even more time goes by. But... Like, in the story, or... Like, in the in the world. Like, years go by between no, some of these. I don't think so. I I do not remember the exact time off the top of my head. Star Wars Minute would, Pete and Alex, whatever. They'd be <laughs> mad at me for not probably not remembering this. But Whatever, it's not our show. <laughs> but a, a, a very significant amount of time goes by between Empire and, Retur- and uh, Return of the Jedi. Because Luke has to finish uh, training as a Jedi... And go find a kyber crystal to build his lightsaber. Because between episode 5 and episode 6, Luke finishes his training and builds a lightsaber. You can do that in a year. And the end of episode 6, or the end of episode 5, when you watch 5 and 6 together, feels very disconnected from the beginning of 6. And, I mean, Harry Potter, we have the nice thread of this is all one long school journey, seven years at a school. Right. So the location never changes, and that helps thread the story together. But there are very few sequel movies that pick up the same day the movie before them ends. That's just not generally how sequels are made. This is the, in a lot of ways, this is kind of, this is one of only a handful of movies that are like that. It's intended to be one long narrative in a way even other franchises aren't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, we're nerds. We're all about ranking things. Yeah. So that's that's true. <laughs> that's true. But at the same time, like this story is one long continuous story right. in a way that Star Wars, even Star Wars and Harry Potter aren't. I'm just saying I think that this this spending as much time with it as I have, I've come to appreciate our aspects of it more, but it's definitely the weakest in my mind. I think the parts that are the draggiest is the stuff with the ends, especially when we're doing it like this. But they are some of my favorite parts of the movie when I just sit down to watch it. Mm. Because I really appreciate the movie slowing down to take its time to, like, make sure the theming lands. Honestly, like, after we finished Fellowship, uh, we, like, didn't we watch it through all the way again? Yeah. I don't know if I would be interested in doing that with this one. Hmm. Because I already, like, it's already, like, my least favorite. And, like, I think doing it like this has both helped and hurt it in my mind. So, Fellowship, I just grew to love more, which surprised me. This one is the opposite. I think most people, their favorite movie is either Fellowship or Return. Right. And then there are some of us out there who love this middle movie. (laughs) I don't know, man. This movie definitely is the slowest plot-wise. And that's true of most second act tri- second acts and trilogies. The second one usually kind of drags a little. Especially if it's part of an overarching narrative. Mm. You, you get a lot of things where characters begin and end in kind of the same place. Because you're not done telling the story yet. So they can only grow so much before you finish. Before you finish out their story arc and keep and you know let it be, mm-hmm. and that can definitely hurt the narrative of a movie. Yeah, because if it's it's a balance, if it's too wheel spinny, then you feel like you're wasting your time. But at the same time, if your characters grow to the point where there's no point in having a third movie, like what are you gonna do? Like what do you do with these characters? Right. I mean, and there are characters that can be used at the end of 
their growth, quote unquote, I guess, mostly supporting characters, but your main characters need to keep growing. Right. Because that's what makes it interesting. Like growth and conflict. Yeah. And there's plenty of conflict here, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it has a it has a very different tone and feel than the other two. Right. Like Fellowship and Return of the King feel more like epic fantasies. Right. Which is what I'm about. Yeah. And Two Towers, especially for the last 30, the last hour we've been watching it, is structured like a war movie for a lot, big portion of it. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of slow bits and talking and all this build up. And then the battle finally starts. Mm-hmm. And then that battle takes 45 minutes. At least. And because of the way you have to structure battles, even if you're really paying attention to how long you're kind of separated from Frodo and Sam, mm-hmm. we've been separated them from a while because of the ne- the necessity of starting the battle and having to stay with it long enough for the drama of it to build. To establish it, yeah. Yeah, because you can't just constantly cut away because then you're killing the drama you're building from the way the battle flows. But we've just had the pullback moment. So this is a time to kind of let the audience regroup, regroup, just like the soldiers of Rohan are. Yeah, that makes sense. I just... But you have to get to that point in the battle and it has to feel like it doesn't happen too quickly. All right. I understand why all of these things happened, except for that really terrible long exposition scene with Gandalf and also Eowyn confessing her feelings. But like, I, I definitely will agree to you that the, the, the Gandalf exposition scene at the camp with Aragorn feels... Quite unnecessary. But, like, I understand why most of these decisions were made, but that doesn't mean that I am okay with them or enjoy yeah. them. That scene with Gandalf just feels like they... I mean, we're, like, retreading old ground. I'm yeah. just... I'm, I am I think it's funny that I'm still salty about it, like, two hours later. <laughs> it just must be because they enjoyed Ian McKellen's performance. They're like, we want Gandalf in this movie. Yeah. Which More is, Gandalf. again, perfectly reasonable, but the end product, I am not either not satisfied with or just is not my cup of tea. Mm. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to me how much they really changed the Mary and Pippin story overall for the better, really, I guess, mm-hmm. because Mary and Pippin have agency. Right. There are things about the the way the book is set up that you kind of lose because of the way that they had to change it for Mary and Pippin to be able to be the ones to convince the Ents to go to war. And really, they only convince one Ent, and he just is in charge. Yeah. Whereas it's another Ent that is part of the the genesis for the Ents going and marching on Isengard in the book. And so it's about their people. So there's that. Mm -hmm. So we're from the website DillingGenre.com, where you can find a bunch of podcasts that aren't movies by minutes related, including the Protagonist Podcast, The Doctor's Companion, Geek by Night, Immunities, and Countdown to Infinity. Which, and having a friend for dinner. And having a friend for dinner. So go check all those out. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 188. Bye. Bye.
genre.